Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at gobethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. This is Mark 40. We're in Micah. This is chapter 4. And uh, we'll make some headway into this tonight. Let me say a prayer as we get into it. Father, as we open up this big little book of Mike, I pray that you would help us to see truth in there. Anoint me to preach and anoint us to hear. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, Vince, I just want to say publicly, thank you for all you've done on the youth building. Now, he's done a lot of work, tons, working over there today. It was awesome. And so we are in Chapter 4 of Micah. You can listen to our podcast. So you can go to the website, look up the podcast, and you can catch up if you're behind on this book of Micah. You can listen to anything we we have on there. Uh, But... If you want to check out the first three chapters, go to the podcast. I'm not going to review that much. Let's just go to verses 1 through 3. Now, it shall come to pass. This is different. He makes a turn here. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, And their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. King James, study war anymore. So, let's let's stop here. Now, in it shall come to pass, notice this, this is the shift. In the latter days. So, in chapter 4, Micah goes into this futuristic realm. He now begins to speak of the latter days or the last days. Everybody say the last days. Same thing. So when are the last days? Now we've looked at this several times, quite a few times here. We studied this in our very first big little book, the book of Joel. So I do want to go back to Joel for a moment. I don't want to get in the weeds too much here, but I do want to make this point. Joel chapter 2, look at verses 28 and 29. Joel 2, 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward. Afterward. After what? Well, either the immediate events in Joel that he was just talking about, or, and I think this is adequate, this is accurate, The finished work of Christ. After the finished work of Christ, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Those days. Now, notice Acts chapter 2, 14 through 18. Here we get an apostolic Holy Spirit interpretation of the second chapter of Joel. Listen to this. 
But Peter standing up with the 11, so you got all 12 involved here, including the new kid on the block, Matthias. Peter stands up with the 11, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all dwell, who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since, uh, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now he goes back and begins to quote Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 28. And it shall come to pass in the last days. So Joel 2.28, afterward, Acts chapter 2, in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What days? Last days. In the last days. Now, biblically, the last days started at the Messianic age, or what is traditionally known as Advent. When the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, that was the beginning of the last days. Because of Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, we often think the last days started at Pentecost. Like the Holy Spirit falls and he's like, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. So we think they started there. But they started 30-something years earlier when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Listen to Hebrews verse 1. Uh, Hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. The last days started at the incarnation. So when Mary conceived, that was the beginning of the last days. I went through these numbers recently in a series I preached here called Last Church, uh, Last Days First Church. And, yeah, right, Last Church, First Days. Last Days First Church, I'll get it together. And, uh, and, and so to, to me it's still interesting. We've been in the last days for over 2,000 years. We've been in the last days. I ran the numbers in that series as of today, June 29th. We're on day number 738,234 of the last days. And biblically, biblically, there is a distinction between the beginning of the last days and the last of the last days. Because in 64 A.D., Paul wrote to Timothy and mentioned a time in the future, and he called it the last days. Now, when he wrote that in, in his letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, we'll look at it in a moment. According to Joel, Acts, and Hebrews, he had already been in the last days, 23,360 of them. Are you with me? So Paul was writing of the last of the last days when he talked about this future time. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, Paul said, Know this, in the last days, perilous times shall come. 
these times are not here yet, even though you're in the last days. But in the last of the last days, these violent times are coming. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, pride. He goes on this whole thing. And then in 1 Timothy, he had already written this for 1 through 2. He said, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times or in the last days, some will depart from the faith. He's already in the last days, but there's a time coming in the future when some who have the faith will depart from the faith and give heed, they'll pay attention to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So they had a conscience that wasn't seared, but because they paid attention to these seducing spirits and they left the truth and bought into the lie, they, they severed their conscience and they don't even know right from wrong, the scripture would call them reprobate. Now, I came from a family back in the day that everybody was reprobate. You know, somebody like backslid for half a minute, they're like, well, you know, they got a reprobate mind. Y'all know what I'm talking about. God doesn't turn them over to a reprobate mind. Everybody was turned over to a reprobate mind. And what's awesome, thank God for it, I saw a bunch of reprobates come back to the Lord, you know. So I'm like, I don't think they were reprobate, you know. But, but there is such a thing. As someone, listen to that, that's just amazing to me. The Spirit expressly said, the Holy Ghost says this, Paul said, in the last days, some will depart the faith. In other words, they had the faith. You're talking about believers in the one true and living God, baptized in the name, full of the Holy Ghost. They have the faith once delivered to the saints, but they leave it because those spirits are saying, I got something better for you. Here's a little easier way. Oh, my Here's a little simpler way. Here's a little, here's something you can, you can buy into. And so they would, they would buy into it. So if today is 738,234 of the last days, or, you know, thereabouts, then if you read Paul's description of those last days and you look at what he's saying to Timothy in First and Second Timothy, I think we're in some of those last of the last days. We're in some, we're in some, perilous times and what I'm saying is I believe very soon that Jesus will split the eastern sky catch his bride away trump of God will sound the dead in Christ will rise first those of us who are alive and remain will be called up together with them in a moment in the twinkling of an eye will be changed and 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 we will we will forever be with the Lord Jesus is coming we don't talk about that we don't sing about it we used to sing about it all the time I thought of some songs. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore. And the roll is. When the roll. Right. When the roll. Listen to y'all. Is called up yonder, the ad infinitum, you know. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Nerve. Hey, these 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 musicians, these these kids, they're like, what's where's that on the track? What's that infinite hold there until the song leader's discretion? When the roll is called, right? Uh, a great, great old songs. The, the second verse of that, on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share, 
When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk all of, his, uh, of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Rapture song. Jesus is coming back. Or here's another one. I am thinking of the rapture in our blessed home on high. When the redeemed are gathering in, how we'll raise the heavenly anthem in that city in the sky. When the redeemed are gathering in. Anybody know that? How many of you don't know that? We got some hands. When the redeemed are gathering in, washed like snow and free from sin, I will shout, I will sing, when the redeemed are gathering in. All kind of verses on that one I won't, I won't go into. Here's another one. Uh, let's see if I can get this right. Uh, because oh, this reminds me of another song. I got, I got to get this one right. Because I messed up on my singing a few weeks ago. I got to get this one right. I will meet you in the morning just inside the eastern gate. You about to run the aisles, Chris. I see it right now. You got the free zones. I see it. Then be ready, faithful pilgrim, lest with you it be too late. I will meet you. I will meet you. Just inside the eastern gate. Over there, I will meet you. I will meet you. I will meet you in the morning over there. Bunch of verses on that. I got them all, y'all. I got notes. Here's another one. Um, Let's see if I can get this, this melody right. Uh, each time I sing, each time I Well, I'll give you the chorus. Just any day now, our Lord is coming. He'll be returning for you and me. Oh, I've been watching, Brother Scott used to do this, watching, and I've been waiting just any day now, his face I'll see. That's really the hope of the church, right? We're not living for the kingdoms of this world down here, we're living for another day. Come on, and as sure as you were filled with God's spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ will raise you up one day. In Jesus' name. And so I believe we're living in the last of the last days. And I, I am convinced the next prophetic event on the horizon is the rapture of the church. And we've talked about that a lot. It's not the second coming because that's a different event where he comes to the earth. Here he only comes in the clouds 
and we go up to be with him. And then we'll all come back. And we've looked at prophecy and the battle of Armageddon and all that stuff. But we're living in the last days. And in my opinion, we have to have a big view of the church in the last days. Not one-dimensional, traditional, dead, dry, boring church. Because that's miserable in these last days. Depressing, oppressing, overwhelming. Uh, so, And I had this little thought. Let me throw it out your way. If it works, I might preach it somewhere else. If not, I, I won't mention it. But so many people see church kind of like, like a religious bar, like a club, like a, a neighborhood pub where we go share a few drinks with friends, meet some people, connect, have a good time, kind of forget about the the worries of the world, and, and that pub is a connect point. And there are churches that are connect points that people just get together and kind of commiserate, talk about the Lord, just a connection. Now, don't get me wrong, church should be a, a place where we connect with each other, but church should be a place where first we are converted there are connect, and I'm not trying to throw stones at anybody, but I'm just saying this. There are some churches that are connect churches only. I don't want to be that church. Those churches are a dime a dozen. I want to be a convert church, a conversion church, where people have a connection with the Lord and they're changed forever, and we're all connecting because of the conversion that we've had. And I'm just saying uh, a connect church has a small view uh, of the church and what's going on in our world, but a convert or a conversion church has a large view, a high view of the church, and, and sees itself as able to turn the world upside down. And that's, that's what I believe. And so I want to have a big, high view of church and go confidently into these last days. That that. First church grew exponentially, turned the world upside down. In spite of Roman culture and the religious intolerance of their culture, I want to be like that. And I, I believe that's where Bethesda is strategically positioned by the Lord in these last of the last days. Now, he goes on and he says, The mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted above the hills. That's not above me and Valerie and our family. That's exalted. The mountain of the Lord's house will be exalted above the other the hills and the mountains and stuff. It speaks of ultimate exaltation of Jerusalem, the city of Zion, in the Lord's ultimate restoration. This is looking way into the future, way beyond just Micah and Israel and Judah. This is looking to the millennial reign of Christ. Now, we've dealt with this in Daniel, and we've dealt with this in the book of Revelation. And Isaiah speaks of this. Zechariah speaks of this. Here we are in the book of Micah, and he's, remember, there's like an immediate application for prophecy, and then sometimes an intermediate, and then sometimes there's long-range application. This is some long-range application of prophecy. This is speaking of the ultimate restoration where Jerusalem is the capital of the world. And it says, the people shall flow to they shall flow to this place, a restored and redeemed Jerusalem that's the capital of the millennial earth. And out of Zion, 
the law shall go forth and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now Micah 4, 1 through 3 is repeated in Isaiah 2, 1 through 3. Isaiah and Micah, we've talked about this. They were contemporary prophets and the Spirit of the Lord is speaking through them. And often they, they are covering a lot of the same ground. So here you have the transformation of the mountain of the Lord. And in, 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 in you have people flowing to it. The previous chapter said this in 3.12. Therefore, because of you, Zion, shall be plowed. Zion, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins and the mountain of the temple like bare hills. But here in the end, in the millennial reign of Christ, there is a restoration. And Jerusalem is the capital, like I said, of the millennial world. The millennial earth where Christ is king. It says he will teach us his ways. So here Micah is seeing this world coming into, coming into view where Jerusalem is there and people are learning of the Lord. Because in the millennial reign of Christ, everybody's not saved. Everybody's not a believer. We've talked about that. I've probably opened a Pandora's box. You can go back and listen to some of our Daniel Revelation stuff. But everybody's not a believer. People are born in the millennial reign of Christ. And they're not born Christians. They have to be taught they have to grow and learn, and people can reject the Lord. This says that he shall judge between many peoples. During the reign of the Messiah, there will be no more war. There will still be conflicts between nations and individuals, but they will be justly and decisively resolved by Messiah, who is king. He will judge between the nations. He will rebuke many people. So the, the reign of the Messiah here is not going to change people's hearts, per se. The earth is still going to have people that need to trust in Jesus, and people are going to have problems, but war and armed conflict will not be tolerated. Not going to happen. Neither shall they lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war or study war anymore. So you have to see this, that this is an enforced righteousness, a peace that comes from enforced righteousness. No more war, and therefore no more need for swords or weapons. That's the idea, weapons. So here you have them turning them into plowshares. If you ever go to the United Nations, you'll see where they have this scripture and Isaiah's version of it and Micah here, and you've got the idea of the swords being turned into plowshares Uh meaning peace on earth. And the United Nations, let me just tell you, is not going to usher it in. Never will. Never will. Where you got men and the hearts of men and the depravity of man and the devil working together. There will be no peace on earth. But there will be peace when Jesus comes in Jesus' name, right? I love it. And Psalm 2, 9 tells us what the Messiah will do to the disobedient in the day. The second psalm, one of my favorite psalms, this is the one that says that, you know, the kings of the earth rage and they try to stop the anointed one, the Lord and his anointed one, but it ain't going to happen. The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs at all their schemes and plots and plans. And in the end, he says in the second psalm, verse 9, that the Lord would break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, we long for the day when there's no need for a military budget and when, you know, 
money that could go for weapons is spent on schools and parks and, you know, anything that I bid on with the government. They're like, yeah, we want that thing Donovan's bidding on. We're, let's take all our military budget and put it over there. But the idea is that the, 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 the safety that we're looking for really is going to come ultimately with Christ Jesus. It will come to pass in the latter days. Listen to this. Franklin Roosevelt gave a famous speech in 1941 about four freedoms. He talked about the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom from want, and the freedom from fear. Micah 4, 1 through 5, speaks of four freedoms. Freedom from ignorance, says he will teach us his ways. Freedom from war, neither shall they learn war anymore. Freedom from want, everyone shall sit under his vine, under his fig tree. We'll talk about that in a moment. Freedom from fear, no one shall make them afraid. Four freedoms. That's, that's some freedom right there. We're coming up on Independence Day. That's some freedom right there. Can you imagine freedom from ignorance? How many ignorant people you know? I know you're not ignorant, but we know ignorant people. That was my family's favorite cut down. Ignorant. My dad and his brothers, I, I hear them to this day. Ignorant. Just, you know, ignorant. Like, it was ignorant. You know, it wasn't ignorant. They never said that. Ignorant. They said ignorant, <laughs> which is kind of ignorant, right? Freedom from war? Are you kidding me? Ukraine right now crashing and burning with madman Putin going after everybody? Uh, war? Really? Yeah. Freedom from war? What a great freedom. Freedom from want? There's no financial struggles. There's no food shortages. There's no uh, formula shortages. You go to the grocery store, what you need is there. There's no shortages. And then freedom from fear. Wow, that's amazing. Listen to this, verses 4 through 5. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Everyone will sit under his fig tree. This is a proverbial expression that means prosperity and peace. You can look it up in 1 Kings 4, 2 Kings 18. Remember Sunday's message? That's always a dangerous thing for me to say as a preacher but because sometimes I don't even remember. But remember I had a shovel up here and I, I had some fertilizer. And I talked, to, I talked about the blessing of the dig and the dung. And, uh, you know, and I talked about the fig tree. Fig trees were, there, there were rules that govern fig trees and whatnot. We talked about that. But it, it speaks of prosperity and peace. Then it says, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God. But it also says that people walk each in the name of his God. So even in the millennial reign of Christ, we've, we've got this idea that there are those who don't serve the Lord. And the Lord allows us during this time. At the end of the millennial reign of Christ, the devil's let out and, and he runs crazy and then there's another big conflict and all that. We've looked at that, but Micah is addressing that particular time. Verses 6 through 8, in that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame, I will gather the outcast and those whom I have afflicted, I will make the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. 
So the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on, even forever. And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. Even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. So God is restoring not just the strong, but also the weak and the disadvantaged. They're going to know the blessing and the power of restoration. The promises are going to come to pass. Here's the deal. He's speaking of the millennial reign of Christ. And in Joel chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 2, we've got some similar verses from that time. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Because in Acts chapter 2, when he quotes that, there's no uh, blood and fire and pillars of smoke per se. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. The Lord has said this. This is all speaking of the same time. And I'm closing with this. Listen. He's talking to a group of people that is going to experience incredible judgment and destruction. It's devastating what is coming their way. I mean, Israel been wiped out. Judah, you're next. There's some serious issues. Now, Hezekiah is going to heed the warning. There's going to be this revival, but they're still going into Babylonian captivity. There is a mess coming. The northern tribes, they're never reconstitutionalizing. That's a giant word I didn't mean to say. They're never coming back together as a nation again. It's an absolute wipeout in the north. And there's some serious problems in the south. But the prophet is, is the, the, the veil of time is, is pulled back. And the Lord lets this ancient man from 3,000 years ago almost look into the future where he sees Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who's not even been born, who, who's Mary's not been born, Joseph's not been born. I mean, there's so much, there's 700 years to go before the last days begin with the Messianic age and the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost over Mary. There's so much time to go. But he's, he's take, he, he catapults beyond all of that and sees past the rapture of the church into the millennial reign of Christ. And he's like, guys, you think all that you see and what, what's coming down the road, that that's the end? That's not the end. Can I just tell you, Our God is so much bigger than the systems of this world and the ups and the downs. He puts one up, he takes it down, but he's in control. He ultimately is going. The kingdoms of this world, I quote it all the time, shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ and of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. So here's the bottom line. Get on the side of the Lord God, the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. Get on His side. Stay on His side. Stay faithful to Him. No matter what the world does, stay faithful to Him because in the end, in the end, you'll rule and reign with Christ. When? In this time. Revelation speaks of that. We're kings and priests, and we'll rule and reign with him. We'll judge angels. When is that all going to happen? It's going to happen during this time.
The Bible tells an epic story. Epic, huge. And we have boxed it in to, for God so loved the world, and, you know, Jesus wept, and a few choice passages that we have memorized. And it's this epic story from beginning all the way to the end. And, and, and before there was a beginning, he was. When everything else goes away, he will be. I'm just saying, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There is nobody like our God. It is up to us to bow the knee and not look after other gods and serve other gods and worship other gods and have idols and other gods before him or try to worship gods while we worship this God. we got to cleanse our hearts. The, 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 the writers say, cleanse your hearts, you double-minded. We have to cleanse our hearts and pull the, 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 the idols out, rip them out and the roots from the roots and serve the true and living God. Because he is king of kings, and he's lord of lords, and he's a jealous God. But if he's for you, who can be against you, right? Stand with me right now. If he's for you, who can be against you? If you're on the Lord's side, and he's on your side, who can be against you? Nobody. Nobody. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. You are such a good God. Lord, there's been times when we've questioned our walk and we've questioned you. and There have been times that we have been led astray, even as Paul said that in the last days, some would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and they would depart from the faith. Lord, we've heard those voices and we've, we've felt that, each of us, have, if we're honest, we've, we've had that temptation to walk. We've had that temptation to stray. But God, you're faithful. And your word is true. And you never give up on us. And, and God, we just keep repenting and humbling ourselves before you. Because you are so good. Your mercy is everlasting. And even in this fourth chapter of the book of Micah, God, we see that you are going to be in control forever. It's not like this is the era of Christ and there's another day coming and another one that will rise on the sea. No. From beginning to end, it's all about you. It's still all about you, God. And I thank you for it, Lord, for the sobering reminder that comes from the fourth chapter of Micah. In the name of Jesus, thank you so much, God. Can you lift your hands to him right now? Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.